Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. What do cult classic films like House Party and Boomerang have in common with more recent work like Marshall, starring the late Chadwick Boseman, and Django Unchained with Jamie Foxx and Leonardo DiCaprio? They have all been either directed or produced by Reginald Hudlin, a proud East St. Louisan and Hollywood filmmaker. Hudlin was recently in town to receive his St. Louis International Film Festival Lifetime Achievement Award. He sat down then with STLPR arts and culture reporter Jeremy Goodwin to talk about his decades of making motion picture magic and discuss his new and first Christmas movie now streaming on Amazon Prime, Candy Cane Lane, starring comedy legend Eddie Murphy. Could you talk a bit about how your upbringing in Centerville and East St. Louis put you in a position to have the kind of life and career you've had? Absolutely. Well, I was you know, born in Centerville Hospital, but my whole life was in East St. Louis. Economically, very tough, tough place, uh, but culturally incredibly rich. I grew up two doors down from where Ike met Tina. But then I, two doors down on the other side, was Brother Joe May, who was a big famous gospel singer. So right there, between heaven and hell, it's all good. And all the great music on KATZ and WESL, hearing the blues, hearing late night jazz, as well as hearing this, you know, the greatest era of R&B in the 60s and 70s, that was enriching. And then on top of that, in the late 60s, early 70s, Catherine Dunham, who was a world famous dancer and choreographer. She worked in Hollywood. She had toured the world with her uh, dancing ensembles. And they brought her back to St. Louis to because all the riots were breaking out, you know, in Chicago and Los Angeles and Detroit. And they figured East St. Louis was the next place for a riot. And so they said, well, instead of trying to bottle these young people up and their frustrations. Let's give these young people opportunities. So they started a college prep program, and they brought in all these great academics from all over the country. And she brought in master teachers, so master drummers from Senegal, martial artists from Japan and Brazil, uh, and as well as dancers from her own company. And suddenly, guys who were in street gangs were becoming dancers or becoming whatever. And because of that program, my brother ended up going to Yale University. And, you know, I was there and, I mean, our, our, our entire family was involved one way or another with Catherine Dunham's program. So she was a real ladder for a whole generation of people. And your brother went to Yale, you went to Harvard, and your family goes back many generations in East St. Louis and Chicago and and uh, and St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, educators, scholars, writers, freedom fighters. Yeah. So you were had this example of black excellence going back a hundred years. Yep. And this rich cultural life in East St. Louis. I wonder what kind of impression that makes on a young man. Uh, <laughs> In a society that is also, by the way, so steeped in anti-black racism. 
Absolutely. Well, I was very fortunate in that uh, my uncle Richard was a historian, uh, self-taught, but he did all this family research. And we discovered his namesake, who was a conductor on the Underground Railroad. And, uh, you know, us going back to a plantation on Virginia where there were three Hutland brothers and one escaped to Canada, one went to Chicago, one went to St. Louis. And the one in, in Chicago was called the Angel of Chicago Fire because he not only did he save people, but he saved the records uh, at the Board of Trade, which was <laughs> invaluable. He ran into the burning building to he, save some of the records. Right? Yes, exactly. So there's all this amazing stuff that happened in my family in terms of getting involved and, you know, public service one way or the other. In fact, I was just going to D.C. To, to help out in our contemporary politics. And I was explaining to my son, he was like, Daddy, why are you leaving town? I said, this is what our family does. We've been doing it for 100 years. And guess what? You're going to do it, too. You're going to find your own way to do it. I'm not saying you have to do it the same way every time, but we are citizens and we make a contribution. And it's empowering, right, to know that we know we're smart and we know we can change things. We know we can make a difference because we've been doing it a time and time again for generations. So, you know, Yes, there is an oppressive world, uh, there is a racist world, but you just go, uh, whatever, I'm unmanageable. So are you the sort of who thinks about your body of work very often, go back to older stuff to revisit it? And I wonder if this process has put you in any more of a retrospective sort of uh, mind frame. No, I, I'm always way more fascinated in what's next. And if you look at my body of work, it's pretty eclectic. It's comedy, then it's a drama, then it's a TV, then it's a comic book, then it's a concert, uh, then it's a documentary, which is probably not good for business. The branding is easier for like, you're the guy for blah, blah, blah. You just do the same thing over and over again. Uh, that just doesn't hold my attention. I like rotating the crops and doing something different and a new challenge and that little bit of fear of like, oh, I've never done this, I could fail. And that really gets your, your, you know, your, your adrenaline up. What are some pieces of your work that you're particularly proud of when you do think back about it? Sure, well look, I started with a movie called House Party, which has stood the test of time, was recently inducted into the Library of Congress National Film Registry, so it's next to Godfather and Star Wars. It's crazy. And then I did um, a movie with Eddie Murphy called Boomerang, which you know launched the careers of a lot of people like Halle Berry and Chris Rock and so on, and people really still a beloved film to this day. Quentin Tarantino asked me to produce a movie for him, so I did Django Unchained, which is a revolutionary movie uh, that, you know, got tons of awards, Oscars and so on. Uh, I've done two documentaries, uh, one called The Black Godfather, uh, which is on Netflix, and then Sydney about the life of Sydney Poitier, that's on Apple, and th those have won a bunch of awards. I did a, uh, not a biopic, but a, a section of the life of Thurgood Marshall, when he was kind of a barn-busting attorney, a, a case early in his career. And that's a beloved film that stars Chadwick Boseman, who we all love and miss so much. Uh, and which leads me to today and my new movie, uh, Reuniting with Eddie Murphy, doing Candy Cane Lane, a big 
Christmas movie, my first Christmas movie, Eddie Murphy's first Christmas movie. When you directed Boomerang in 1992, that, that was a big moment in your career, but in Eddie's career, because he was venturing out of the, the straight comedies for the first time, getting into romantic comedies. And believe it or not, you put him in a scene with children for the first time on screen. <laughs> and that ended up having quite an impact on where, where his work would go. Uh, the story was that he pulled you into that because he had seen House Party and enjoyed it. What did he see in your approach to that film that he wanted that perspective in Boomerang? Eddie's very clear uh, in terms of his measurement. He goes, do you get the joke? Can you tell a joke? Uh, I don't care if you're an actor, a director, whatever. Do you understand the rhythms of comedy? Right? That's his bottom line measurement. So when he saw House Party, he goes, oh, you guys get the joke. You, 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 you get humor. Uh, and we just had a great time making that movie. And it's crazy because we've been trying to find the right project to work together on since then. And then when this Christmas movie happened, it just came together perfectly. It's your first time working with Eddie since, since then? Since then. It's crazy. How did that reunion go for you? It was just easy, you know, because we know each other. We were, we're in the trenches together. And, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm better than I was back then. And he's still who he is. Like, you know, he just, his skill set is so spectacular. So we just picked up where we left off. We're listening to Hollywood film producer and director Reginald Hudlin. Hudlin is an East St. Louis native and this year's recipient of the St. Louis International Film Festival Lifetime Achievement Award. STLPR's arts and culture reporter Jeremy Goodwin caught up with Hudlin to talk about his extensive film and television career and his new Christmas movie, Candy Cane Lane, starring Eddie Murphy. They discussed Hudlin's first venture into the holiday movie genre, which Hudlin hopes he can add to with something that's new and unexpected. Here's the rest of that conversation. Obviously, there's a lot of Christmas movies, right? It's become a subgenre to itself. And every holiday, there's like 30 new ones, right? So the challenge is, how do you make yourself stand out? How do you make you go, okay, there's a lot of movies, but you ain't never seen a movie like this. And I can say with absolute confidence, you have never seen a movie like this. I mean, first of all, we have the funniest cast, Eddie Murphy, Tracy Ellis Ross, Nick Offerman, Robin Thede, DC Youngfly, Chris Red. We have an all killer comedian lineup, right? So you're just going to be laughing just based on them. Most Christmas movies don't have jump scares in them. Most Christmas movies don't have car chases in them. Most Christmas movies don't have kung fu battles in them. <laughs> so that's, that's the movie we're making. We're like the, hey, what if you took everything you liked and put it in one movie and just mixed it up? It's got the Christmas magic. It's got great Christmas music. It's going to hit you in your feelings. You know, people laugh, then they get a little verklempt, then they, get, they laugh, and then they get all like, oh, the Christmas feeling. So we absolutely have our cake and eat it, too. You've always strike me as a filmmaker who's interested in using form to your advantage, right? Not to be trapped maybe by the, the sort of tropes and cliches of a genre, but to engage them in a way that does what it's supposed to do in, in that story. Things are cliche sometimes for a reason, but with a more fresh point of view on it. Absolutely. That's a really good take. Because uh, it's like, look, there's rules, right? There's rules to Christmas movies. There's rules to horror movies. 
and everyone knows the rules, right? So you can either feel like, okay, I know what's going to happen next, or do you play with the audience's expectations and just take a hard left? Whoa, where are we going now? This is not by the rules. And then you take another hard left. What the heck? And then you end up back with the feelings that you expect, but it's earned. It's sincere because you broke the rules along the way. That's the thing that gives me the most fun because people want those feelings, but at the same time, they want surprise. They want to go somewhere fresh. Look, people want everything. And that's my job, to give them everything. When Boomerang had just come out, you, you and your brother gave an interview to the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, to just, I'm going to find this quote. You made a reference that there's still a perception in the movie business that real blackness can only be negative. So when a black artist has success at the level of an Eddie Murphy or a Bill Cosby or a Sidney Hall, the culture and the culture's mind makes them, quote unquote, honorary whites. Mm-hmm. The idea. Have have black artists created more space since then in terms of being able to be seen in one's full humanity as opposed to a, a more predetermined version of, of what the market might be expecting? Things are better. Absolutely. Uh, that. There's more black stars than ever before. There are more black filmmakers than ever before. And I would say there's a wider range of imagery than ever before. So um, there's absolutely been progress, which should be not only acknowledged, but celebrated. Are we done? Not hardly. But, I mean, there was a study by Kinsey, you know, the, the big firm, and they said Hollywood loses $10 billion a year by not serving black and brown audiences. So when people go, oh, you know, Hollywood's having a hard time. Well, there's a solution. If you make movies that speak to this audience, you'll make more money. There used to be uh, this great series called The Japanese Film with Edward O. Reinschauer. And that's where I saw Kurosawa and Ozu and all the classic Japanese filmmakers. And I love those movies. And I thought, those filmmakers could not ever imagine that one day this kid from East St. Louis would be watching these movies and relating to those movies. And you know what? The reverse is probably true. I can make a movie that will speak to their sons and daughters. So I've always seen myself as being part of a global conversation because cinema has always been a global conversation. So I don't see any limitations. Now, yes, there are people in the business who they go, well, Okay, you're going to make a movie that's never been made before. So who's going to watch it? How do we market to those people? How much money could it possibly can you, make? Can you show me an example of this exact thing having worked before? <laughs> exactly. And I get it. That's, that's how business works based on historical models. But the cash of that is you only do what's been done before. And what hap- there'll be a point where the audience goes, but we've seen this before and we're bored and we want something new. So that's when you have to take risk. And my thing is, I'm the least risk of all the risks. (laughs) Because every time something like this comes out, people go, oh my God. And it's, they go, what a surprise at the box office. It's actually not a surprise. You're surprised. You know, how many successes becomes not an aberration, but a pattern. So that is uh, the challenge that people have to kind of wrap their heads around. That was Reginald Hudlin, Hollywood film director and producer, in conversation with St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin. His new film, Candy Cane Lane, starring Eddie Murphy, is now streaming on Amazon Prime. 
This episode was produced, recorded, and edited by Maya Norfleet. Our audio engineer is Aaron Doerr. This podcast was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.